0: If you're speaking to the sports fan listens to our show, those are the people that are going to the games that do care. It's embarrassing. Who would you replace and him with? That's over my pay grade. Well, was okay. so firing him, but you didn't no, have no, any hesitation of that.
1: Steve carries himself with a lot of dignity, truth. Thank you for everything. He doesn't take days off. He's one of those
0: guys that he's out there every game. There's a new type of broom out. It's sweeping the nation. <laughs> are you Googling this?
1: Protect our radio talent. You two are ridiculous. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Pauly Sebelia.
0: I want my name put first in the open so that when Steve is not here, which is now every day, it will introduce me properly.
1: Pauly I love how the oh, I love how the open features Steve saying, no days off, never takes a day off. <laughs> Always shows up. Unlike him. I was him. just saying to you before uh, we started that when Steve first texted me, would you be able to fill in a few days over the summer? I was like, yeah, sure. I did not understand that his interpretation of the phrase a few days was such a generous one. Uh,
0: Stephen Fonte, not the Cal Ripkin of radio. That's for sure.
1: Very true. He's, Good to be here, though, Paul.
0: He is the Anthony Davis of radio, as uh, Jordan called him y- yesterday to his face. Or was it money? One or the other. Big show today. Uh, we got uh, a sound check coming up that is all dedicated to Ben Simmons sound. He's, uh, he is uh, taking over the sports world, Ben Simmons. So we'll talk about him. We got Mark Edelman, a tenured law professor and sports ethics director, uh, an antitrust attorney who wrote an article for Forbes magazine that was great. Predicted weeks ago that a 9-0 ruling against the NCAA will be would be coming down, uh, and it did. And also uh, coming up uh, in the one o'clock hour, Steve is actually uh, going to be part of the show. He taped an interview with John Desco last week, so we will do a John. De- we will play Steve's John Desco interview to, to wrap up the show. So he's not fully
1: gone, I guess. He's gone in our hearts and minds, though, Pauly. That's what matters. Sal,
0: the the ruling for the NCAA uh, or against the NCAA, I don't exactly get what it means about the, the benefits. You're allowed to give more benefits. We'll talk to Mark <clears throat> Edelman about it. What was your initial reaction to it?
1: Yeah, I mean, at first, when you just see the headlines or the ticker on ESPN, you're like, oh, so this is name image likeness, or this is finally paying college athletes. And then when you actually read it or hear the specifics, you, I'm kind of with you. It's like, oh, so you can get a laptop now, I guess? Like, I didn't fully understand. But the thing that did jump out to me when you look at some of the quotes from the actual SCOTUS ruling... A lot of the language is very different than what the NCAA has for decades purported to be the case as far as, well, amateurism is the most important thing, and this is nowhere close to an antitrust case, and we must preserve and protect the sanctity of college athletes and their amateur status. I mean, you could see that the Supreme Court is very much laying the groundwork for some type of financial compensation for college athletes and this is you know one of the many things that we'll talk about with our guests but i i almost get the sense that it's like the supreme court is giving the ncaa and all the schools their own opportunity to get ahead of this thing that it's like before we have to come back and do this again as it pertains specifically to name image likeness or how you compensate athletes financially and for the money that you all are generating like we're giving you the chance to interpret this ruling because quotes and phrases and legal theories will be pulled from it if we go down this avenue again and we're already saying you're going to have to start paying them in some manner i mean the fact that they Flat out, the Supreme Court flat out calls out amateurism and, you know, kind of the joke interpretation of it that the NCAA has. And that they also explicitly point out how many billions of dollars NCAA athletics is making and how it goes to the coaches and the administrators and the conference, everybody but the athletes. So that's what jumped out to me. And I guess the fact, too, that it was nine nothing in terms of a ruling. I obviously am not a legal scholar, but I cannot remember how often in my life would you ever you hear about something that the Supreme Court has ruled on. I cannot ever remember it being unanimous nine nothing, especially no, knowing how wide a range and wide a, I guess legal spectrum this particular Supreme Court has.
0: Yeah, uh it- it is interesting and I'll I'll pull up the number. It actually happens a little more than I had uh, expected and I had it written down and I don't have it in front of me. The the thing I'm worried about with all of this is the haves and the have-nots. You know, some like even if it's just say laptops was your example. Uh are mm-hmm. is, is Alabama's going to be able to give you a lot cooler stuff than, you know, Creighton is. Uh you know, so there there's schools that are going to be able to take advantage of this while others are going to be left behind, is my biggest worry, that recruits are going to look for the schools that have the most perks to give them, you know, the most benefits.
1: Yeah, I feel like that kind of is already happening though, and that's yeah, but the it's, story of college <laughs> athletics for, forever is, you know, the halves or the big schools. They find a way one way or another, whether it was in the specifically just education wise or now with, you know, laptops or whatever thing, you know, material benefit you want to actually come up with. I think that the Alabamas and the Florida States, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Michigan, Texas, Southern Cal, like all those schools will still find a way one way or another. And I I don't know, and I, I wish that there was, I guess, some better way to to track this or you know, kind of get in the minds of every single recruit. But I don't know that there's that many recruits out there who, well, I was really thinking about going to Southwest Missouri Tech, but now that Alabama is offering me a laptop and an internship, I'm going there. Like. I think the kids who are going to go to Alabama football or to Duke basketball or to Syracuse lacrosse, like those kids, are still going to end up at the big schools and with the premier programs, and those programs are still going to find a way.
0: But it's all, I I feel like it's going to also make a tier level though. You know, like kids aren't even going to talk to the other schools or hear them out until they're they're not getting the perks from another school. You know what I'm saying? Like at least now it feels like they have to listen to everybody.
1: Whereas, Yeah, but I do think that that's already happening. I mean, even when kids, quote, listen to a particular school or put them on their board or something like that or their top eight, top ten, I still think that they, in their minds, are aware of like, all right, Yes, this small Ohio Valley Conference school or this small Mac, whatever the Max conference is that has like five consonants in it. I think that those kids are, you know, know the difference between those schools and Thompson or a Notre Dame and go on down the list. So, yes, it obviously opens the door, I guess, for the big schools to put more on the plate. As far as what they're offering recruits and more on the table. But I also think, too, I guess if it is right now, just with this specific ruling, if it all has to be somehow education based, I'm sure you can make the argument that for some of the smaller schools, it gives them a chance to offer things too. Because maybe a school like, you know, Bradley or Creighton or, you know, try to think of, you know, a non-traditional power, certainly not a power five conference school, maybe now they can say, all right, yeah, we can't pay the money that, you know, Alabama or Texas A&M is paying to kids. But if we're allowed to start giving them laptops or hooking them up with internships or giving them postgraduate scholarships so they come here, they play for four years, and then they can stay for another three, four years, whatever the case may be, to pursue another degree, then maybe that does even give them at least something else that, all right, we probably weren't in the running with the Big 12 or the Big 10 or some of these other schools, but now we can make a kid perhaps think twice going, well, I can go to Ohio State and I'm just another name, just another number, but I go to this smaller school and they're offering me a lot more things. So, I think, well, there's still plenty to play out with it. The big thing is the way that this sets up name image likeness and straight up paying pay to play and financial compensation down the road.
0: Yeah. And I I, I hate to say it, but I I think that they need to do a little bit of socialism in the NCAA uh, when it comes to this. Whereas, you know, I think they need to set rules like this is this is the amount on a laptop you can get. This is the amount of a paid internship. I think everybody needs to have a uniform amount that you can't go over, uh, so that it evens it out. You know, I, at least that's my opinion because I, I think it needs to be an equal amount for every student and each
1: school. Makes sense because I, I I just think yeah, so. but that's how we got to this position, anyways. Is they tried to put some type of limit on it and. I realize, uh, you know, a lot of it was the NCAA and its various administrators wanted to keep the biggest slice of the pie for themselves, but this is why we're in this position is because they tried to find some way to limit the compensation that college athletes could get.
0: All right, uh, before we take our time out and get the guests on to talk about it, uh here here 's a breakdown of Supreme Court rulings for you. you guys all tuned in for this uh, <laughs> the ratio uh of unanimous decisions since 36 percent of all decisions have been unanimous uh even when the court did not reach unanimous decision uh fifteen percent were seven to two or eight to one and nineteen percent were uh five to four so there you go it happens a lot more than you would think the unanimous decision
1: Uh, that is surprising to hear i guess for, for us the you know average person we only hear about supreme court cases when they're either directly related to our little world here in sports or when there's some type of controversy or Something like that. So that's why we always hear about the 5-4 and 6-3 decisions as opposed to, I guess, the ones that the court is like, yeah, this is too easy. Like, don't waste our time.
0: All right, we'll take our time out. Mark Edelman, tenured law professor, sports ethics director, sports gaming and antitrust attorney, will come up next, and we will uh, discuss this ruling. And uh, someone who probably can discuss it a lot better than Sal and I can next on ESPN Radio, Syracuse, Utica, and Q Sports Talk on Twitch.
2: On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio
1: 97.7 at 100.1.
2: It's time to get you what you need to hear. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. I don't give a What you or anybody else thinks.
1: Chris started out great. I mean, he played great. Great.
0: Golden delicious. That's a five-star apple.
1: Now we can't get him to play bad. We'd like to get him to play bad.
2: That would be a step up from where we are.
0: But we played in in some really tough ones over my years. You know, playing at Alabama, then playing in the Dome at UTSA. Today's
1: sound check on Orange Nation.
0: It is soundcheck time. Pauly Sebelius-Salmanin joined by uh, producer Jordan coming in studio with us. And Chris McCullough there referenced by Jim Beheim, part of Beheim's Army. And we will break down Beheim's Army uh, road to the final four or whatever the heck it's
3: called in the TBT. I mean, they'll get down to four eventually, so. <laughs> uh,
0: so we'll break that down. The Forces of Soul, their first round opponent. It's time for a Ben Simmons sound check.
3: Is that, that me? That's okay.
0: That means you. Well, there's been a lot
3: of issues. <laughs> oh, gosh, lately, Jordan. Since the,
0: well, that was the worst
3: toss ever. Don't even get mad Here, at me. Here, you want yourself. me to do it
0: again? All right, it's time for a Ben Simmons sound check. Jordan, what do you got for us?
3: Oh, that, that sounded lovely. Let's start with post-game Sunday because this is the quote that really got it all started. Joel Embiid pretty much blaming Ben Simmons for the loss.
2: Man, uh, I'll be honest. Um, I thought the turning point was, uh, uh, you it. know, when um, we... I um, don't how to say it, uh, but I thought the turning point was just, you know, we had... Uh, an open shot and you know we missed uh, we made one free throw and uh, we missed the other and then they came down and scored
3: he tried so hard not to throw Ben Simmons under the bus
0: Well, there was also another turning point when he turned the ball over throwing the ball across court that led to a layup that actually gave up the lead so you know
3: Gonna blame
1: Joel Embiid?
0: No, I'm not. But if you're just gonna pick one play to blame the game on,
1: or yes, thought that the... one play was indicative of the problem that y'all had, especially four or five games of that series. Yeah. Well, wow.
3: well, Joel Embiid tried to kind of beat around the bush. Uh, Shaq did not when he spoke post game after that loss.
2: Love this. Uh, what 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 is incorrect about what he said? If I play game one and two and I know I'm not helping my team out, what do you think I'm going to do in game three? Don't take your seven games to realize that. I don't want to hear that, man. I don't, I'm not going with that. So what What did he have said tonight? I like what he said, but if you, like, you, you can't, sit, it, it don't take seven games for you to know you're not playing right. Get right. Get he, can't, right. he can't. He can't. It's, 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 He's not getting double teamed. Get right. Be aggressive. That's all I want. Just be aggressive. I don't want to hear all that. Stop that. Cut it okay. out. The, ad- the Atlanta Hawks knocking off the Philadelphia 76ers, One He was in my locker room. I ought to knock his ass out. In 96. <laughs> okay. You, you do what? I left laughing. What you mean, what? I'll, he's having his locker room. You do what?
0: And punch him in the face and knock his ass out. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what Joel Embiid should have done? I mean, <laughs> no, but somebody should have gotten in his face. If, if he was, you know, it, it, Shaq's right. It shouldn't take seven games for you to get it right. It wasn't a one-game series. This wasn't the NCAA tournament. You, I didn't play well tonight. You didn't play well for seven games.
1: And I don't even know if you can call what he did the last four games playing. Like, he was in a Sixers uniform. He stepped out onto the court, but I don't think he actually went out and played. Playing means that you had some type of impact, positive or negative, on the game. Like, he was just nowhere to be seen for entire stretches. Where, where do you—you're the Sixers fan in the room, Pauly. Where do you come down on Ben Simmons at this point? At this point, I think they're stuck with him. Nobody's going to trade for
0: I think he'll be a Sixer next year. And they've got to get him to— they got to get him I mean, to work do you on want his shot. Him to be
1: a Sixer next year, though,
0: if he works on his jump shot, yeah. If not, no.
1: Well,
0: you know, yeah, I mean, but this has been a recurring issue with the kid. It, it's not like he can't do it. You know, he's very talented, but who knows? What else you got for us, Jordan?
3: Yeah, you seem to think Ben Simmons has no chance at learning to shoot, uh, or you don't want him if he can't. But his head coach, Doc Rivers has seemed to turn around his thoughts. After the game, he said he wasn't sure if Ben Simmons was a championship-caliber point guard. His tone has certainly changed.
2: I'm positive uh, in Ben. I'm very bullish on Ben still. Um, and um, But there's work, you know, Mark. There are There is. Uh, and Ben will be willing to do it. Uh, and that's the key. You know, sometimes you have to go through stuff to see it and, and be honest with it. There's areas that he can fix quickly, in my opinion. Or, and get better, and that will take him to another level. I look at this as a great challenge, but a best, definitely a doable one. I don't think the average person understands how hard it is to win. Um, you know, it's like uh, you guys didn't win it again. Neither did 29 other teams. Having said that, I believe we can, uh, and I do believe we can. The pain has to drive you, but the will to win has to drive you even more.
0: That, that That's nonsense. They don't know how hard it is. The Sixers should have won that series. It was harder for them to lose it, I think, than it was for them to win it. And they somehow found a way to lose it. Right?
3: I guess. I, I'm just shocked that all of a sudden Doc Rivers... I think Doc Rivers realized that they are stuck with Ben Simmons, and he's like, welp. He's got some potential.
1: Either that or the front office told him, we're not trading him. I mean, I just went and looked it up. He's still owed more than $150 million yeah. over the course of this contract. Now, the good thing is he's only 25 years old, and he's still an elite defender, and he can do so many things from a 3, 4, or even a small ball 5 perspective that he's not a completely useless asset that you can you can find ways to move guys I've changed my tune the last few years about unmovable contracts in the NBA because every time you hear that oh nobody's gonna take that on why would anybody want to trade for Westbrook or Chris Paul or John Wall and you see all these guys get moved so I think if the right opportunity presents itself he could certainly be moved is it going to happen tomorrow no because right now everybody what they remember is oh this guy he what attempted five i'd have i got to pull it up again 14 shots over the last five games of that series so yeah right now it's a distressed asset but i think you could still find somebody who'd be willing to take him. i also the thing that i don't get is when everybody says all right he's got to work on his jumper obviously even if he goes and spends like 14 hours a day in the gym starting yesterday up until the start of training camp is that enough that all of a sudden he's going to come out and i realize he's not going to be dame or steph or steph curry or something but i feel like this is still going to have to be a multiple year thing to get to the point where teams aren't just oh let's hack a ben simmons every time it's the fourth quarter.
0: I, I think the thing that they're going to work on most is his free throws and that that they hope that that leads to him hitting a mid-range jump shot next year to start before they got him out there chucking three. Baby steps. Yeah. Um, but I also think the Sixers are probably in a position where they don't want this kid to get right somewhere else because uh, he's that good. I
3: mean, that would be a nightmare. Ben Simmons develops even a halfway decent jump shot, and the league's got a really big issue. I mean, the only problem with that is uh, he's still shooting with his left hand, apparently, where that's another thing. I
1: think the thing you need to be concerned about if you're a Sixers fan is not just that obviously he has problems shooting or an inability to shoot, whether it's from the free throw line or three-point line, but – the fact that he allowed the Hawks to completely and totally rattle him. I mean, he essentially took himself out of every crunch time possession over the last three, four games of that series. Like, that's worrisome that your point guard, one of the cornerstones of your franchise, is just like, no, I'm good, I I don't want to touch the ball. Like, that's what I find troubling. And it, it could be as simple as, he has the basketball version of the yips, and it's a psychological thing. But that's what he needs to get over is he completely lost any semblance of being a killer out there.
0: Yesterday, I said he had the basketball yips, and I compared him to Chuck Knobloch, and none of the interns or Jordan knew who the hell Chuck Knobloch was.
1: Oh, my God. Where do you find these people, Polly?
0: Like
3: From after the year 1965, who is Chuck
1: Knobloch? I can't Chuck Knoblock, who was won what three World Series with the Yankees? I, I what year were you born?
3: Nineteen
1: ninety-seven. Wow! Now I feel old. because I actually like can remember nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, he he was. I mean, what year
0: did he, he stop playing in two thousand two?
3: Okay. So I, mi- if I had caught just the tail end of Chuck Knoblock, but he was career- a Yankee,
0: like he fundamental, like I said, fundamental Chuck too, and they're like, yeah, that guy sounds fun to watch. It's a stupid nickname. <laughs> he was fundamentally sound, and then he got the yips. Good and for he- him. And he couldn't play. All right, I got one more thing before we-, we take a break here, Sal. I have a song stuck in my head for the past like month. All right. Okay. And it's, okay. I, it's apparently a TikTok song. Oh,
3: just before you play this, I only got the part that's stuck in your head, not the whole song. No, I know. Okay, and this okay.
0: is the part that's stuck in my head. Oh, no. And it was, it was every time Ben Simmons touched the ball in the playoffs, this song would pop in my head. And I don't know what the song is, but apparently the kids love it on the TikTok. Tell me if you know this. Do you know that, or have you seen a video with it? And you always know, like something horrible or bad is going to happen in the I video. I only
1: know, I only know it from its internet fame.
0: Yeah. Okay. That yeah. song should I, be. I
1: couldn't tell you the name or the artist or anything like that. That
0: should be Ben Simmons' free throw walk-up music. What are you? <laughs> going? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! 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 no, no. Like if you see a Rick. guy, <laughs> if you see a guy walking across the street on a video and that song kicks in, he's about to get hit by a car or he's going to fall in a mud puddle. (laughs) Something bad's going to happen. So that song's just been stuck in my head on repeat. And it drives me crazy.
3: I'm sure that'll help.
0: Uh, So, all right, let's take a break. Come back. We'll wrap up sound check. We got more audio. We've got some, uh, some baseball stuff, right? And a couple other things in Soundcheck. We'll do that to wrap up the 1 o'clock hour next on uh, Orange Nation. on ESPN Radio Syracuse, Utica, and Q Sports Talk on Twitch.
1: On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. This is Orange Nation. Okay, so it's Orange
0: Nation, Polyseville, Salmonine. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Fonte out, sell in. I, and I've been talking about this Oh No song that's
1: stuck in my head from the TikTok. Wait, wait, I have a question about another song. Jordan, can you name the artist of that bump back that just played?
3: That's a big pun.
1: Good one. Nailed it.
0: Am I right? Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. I got one. So, and you brought up... An oh no moment in Syracuse basketball history uh, on the Twitch chat, right? About scoop. Do you do you want to yeah. relive that moment for the radio people? Because I I was watching the classic Syracuse games on uh, on ACC network yesterday, and there was an oh no moment in that also.
1: Yeah, so I re- it was against UConn in the dome. I want to say it was 2010. I believe it was the West Johnson year, and. SU was up like one or two late in the game. Like we're talking less than a minute to go or something like that. And SU gets an offensive rebound. The ball like gets tipped out to scoop who was the backup point guard at the time and scoop immediately upon getting this offensive board charges into the lane against like three different Huskies. Sure enough, misses or turns it over and UConn's got a fast break the other way and you can feel inside the dome everybody has this oh no moment but then there's one referee that comes running in from the side blowing his whistle and motions that Behime had already called a timeout before Scoop had shot the ball or turned it over and so Syracuse kept possession and this time they ended up running out the clock rather than going immediately back up and forcing the action. So we asked Beheim after the game, like, what prompted you to call timeout in that situation? His answer was, I saw that Scoop had the ball.
3: (laughs) You know, that explains a lot because we've mentioned it before briefly, but Scoop Jardine and Rick Jackson, they're not playing for Beheim's army. They're playing for Newman-Garetti High School alumni team. They're a 16 seed so um, sorry, scoop, but I guess some of these bad what? memories lost your roster. It, it,
0: it sell so said it that this oh no. Oh no.
3: Oh no, 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 no.
0: must play in Beheim's head nonstop. I I was watching <laughs> I was watching a game yesterday on the ACC network. They were playing the classic Syracuse games, Syracuse Notre Dame, two thousand three basketball, uh, championship team. Syracuse is up by, a, like, two points after Jerry McNamara hits a three with, like, ten seconds left in the game. The ball, Notre Dame comes down, takes a shot, with, and then there's, like, seven seconds left, and Hakeem got the ball, and he took the ball, and instead of running out away and, like, dribbling away or getting it to somebody to get fouled, he threw the ball up in the air like there was a second left on the clock. <laughs> And, and it luckily bounced once or twice before somebody picked it up and the horn went off. And you can see Beheim walking over to shake Mike's brace hand, and he just he drops a "What the f was that?" Like you could read his lips <laughs> perfectly. Like if if he if if Hack had thrown that ball up and a Notre Dame player caught it and shot, it and made the basket to win the game. And-
1: Like we, Look, this is this is a perfect segment that we need to figure out. Who are the players in SU history that most deserve that oh-no song being played oh, in their coach's head? Troy Nunes. Paul Harris is definitely – Paul Harris is on that list. Just think of the sixth overtime game. How many times Jim Boeheim must have heard that until he finally got the putback to go in, what, the fifth or sixth overtime?
0: Here's Coach P every time Troy Noons started to scramble. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, who are the biggest oh-no players? Scoop has to be on that list. Uh, Troy Noons. They're...
3: If you ask some All people right, around
0: here, they'd up, say Joe the Girard. Game, <laughs> Joe Girard. If probably. If you ask some people. I mean, you don't even have to ask him. I'm sure the Twitch chat has Joe Girard about a thousand times on it right now.
1: I, I just found the game that I was talking about earlier. It was 2010 in the Dome. SU was no, ranked number two overall. They were 23-1 and one going into the game. It was tied with less than a minute to go. Scoop got a rebound and then SU actually called timeout and uh, was able to then set something up and ended up winning the game on free throws late. But at one point it was uh, Scoop before in the box score, it just says Scoop Jardine rebound and then Syracuse timeout. But what had actually happened (laughs) was, or no, I'm sorry, Rick Jackson offensive rebound, that is the ESPN play-by-play it just has a logo for SU and it says no because I'm guessing that's where originally they had written scoop Jardy turnover <laughs> Kemba Walker bucket but then they reversed it because Jim Beheim had called timeout.
0: I yeah, someone in the chat saying every time an SU center goes to the free throw line.
1: <laughs>
3: yep.
0: Oh, arenze was brutal. You, uh why am I drawing Barama's gotten better at shooting free throws though he he's not as bad at that but there are some O-No oh players can, can you think of another football like like Troy Noons is the epitome of that song is that before your time too
1: Sal? I mean I know the name Troy Noons but yeah that he was before my time Oh
0: he worked magic I mean, I, on the scramble man he would he would, I don't
1: know that uh, that oh no applies but just Basically, every time the ball was snapped on offense during the Greg Robinson era, because <laughs> as soon as the ball was snapped, you were just like, oh, no, he's getting sacked. Remember Andrew Robinson, the quarterback? I mean, I wouldn't say, oh, no, because it's like, what's he going to do? It was just, oh, no, this guy is clearly not a Division One caliber starting quarterback, and he's leading the Syracuse Orange.
0: Yeah, uh, CBW in our Twitch chat saying that uh, – when Rex Culpepper spiked the ball on fourth down last year on the last play of the game, definitely an oh no moment.
3: That's the one.
0: There there yeah, there's a there's a lot of oh no moments. I, I'm trying to think of Syracuse basketball history. They also showed this is way before your time, but Digger Phelps dancing on a buzzer beater by Elmer Bennett at the Dome. Elmer? Yeah,
3: that's how I can tell this from before my time. They don't name guys Elmer anymore. <laughs> like, there's
0: the glue and there's fun, and then there's no more. <laughs> no, that, that, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, Elmer Bennett hit a three, and it's like you what uh, they replayed that. Billy Owens hits a shot, and they just come down and nail it. it. It was, you know, there's there's been a few, oh no, moments in in my lifetime at Syracuse. There's also been times where you've had the Ono oh songs playing and it, it didn't go as bad as you you thought it would you know, Sir, we we've been very lucky as you know this is going to get everybody mad at me about talking I'm a homer we've been very lucky at Syracuse that the Ono oh moments are pretty you know. We've pretty got few one. and far between.
3: Katie, uh, Katie, out at the mega desk says, anytime Tommy DeVito had the ball for more than two seconds, <laughs> that's a big oh no. If that, if you let that little clip by the time it ran out, DeVito was on the ground, so that's a big oh no."
0: Yeah, it, it, uh, there's, I bet, you know there's, there's a lot of places that have a lot, lot worse uh, history of bad moments happening. It, who hit the? Was it was it Cleveland State hit the three quarter court
1: shot against yep, Syracuse? Yep, Cleveland State. With uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but Norris Cole, yes, who Norris was Cole. the point guard, backup point guard when the Heat were winning those titles with the Big Three, he was on that team. I I was in the dome shooting that game for Channel Nine, right under the SU bucket. Johnny Flynn missed a three. Arenze got a putback and. Then that guy with the headband. I I don't know that guy's. Was that not such a strange thing?
0: You saw it as soon as it left his hand that it was going
1: in. Like it was on perfect, like trajectory. Yeah, trajectory. Because when when you shoot the games, normally when a guy makes a bucket, you then follow him or her back up the floor. And get what we call the hero shot as they so I get Orenze celebrating and then like, you know, I think somebody comes and high fives them or chest bumps him and they inbound the ball. And for some reason I decided just to like stay with it, even though there was like only one second left on the clock. And as soon as he released it, I was like, That looks good. I better keep the camera on this, and sure enough, banks it in from three quarters court. The the
0: there's a bunch of people typing in oh-no moments, the Mark Sanchez butt fumble would be a good oh-no moment.
3: Oh, If we're doing this with all of sports you, history, like, yo, that's you, something I wish people would call in and tell us, the biggest oh-no moments that they've
0: I, seen. As, as soon as that ball left Kawhi's hand against the Sixers at Game 7, as it was bouncing on the rim, you're just like, Oh, no. That's every bounce. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Bink, right in. It was, we've all lived through them. They're terrible, terrible moments. We'll take a break, we'll come back, and we'll get to that uh, the, the end of sound check after we force Jordan to sit in here for three segments. Jalen Carey is an all know Bill Buckner. People are uh, loading us up with oh-no moments. Uh, 315-437-7644 if you would like to call in and do that. If not, we'll force you to sit through more Jordan on uh, Orange Please Nation. Please
3: call for everybody's
0: sake. On Orange Nation on ESPN Radio, Syracuse, Utica, and Q Sports Talk on Twitch.